0: At seven o'clock for the meeting of January twenty second, twenty twenty four. So at this point, let's start with the pledge of allegiance. And we have one of our board members that's gonna lead the pledge.
1: Stand up. Yeah.
0: Okay, thank you. And uh, so staff, roll call.
2: Yes, good evening and happy new year. Um, board member Sue. Here. Board member Ruiz. Here. Board member. Here. <laughs> <laughs> board member Saheba. Present. Uh, board member Cisneros. Here. Board member Ariza. Present. Board member Wang. Here. And uh, President Hong.
0: Here. Okay, great, we have a full court, mayor one's here, that's wonderful. So at this point, uh, any agenda changes, either from board members or from staff? I know we're gonna pull one item off the consent calendar. But Other than that, any other changes? Okay, if not, agenda uh, item number three is an opportunity for any members of the public to speak on non-agenda uh, items. SO YOU HAVE THREE MINUTES TO to, uh, present. AND STAFF, DO WE HAVE ANYONE THAT'S TURNING CARDS, EITHER HERE OR um, BY ZOOM?
3: NO NON-AGENDA SPEAKERS AT PRESENT, NO HANDS RAISED.
0: OKAY, NO no AGENDA SPEAKERS. OKAY, SO WE'RE MOVING ON TO ITEM FOUR, AND WE HAVE FOUR CONSENT ITEMS, BUT WE'RE GOING TO PULL Item 4D FOR A SPECIAL VOTE BECAUSE IT'S A CONTINUED ITEM AND we'll, WE NEED TO uh, TAKE A VOTE TO CONTINUE TO DATE CERTAIN. SO THE THREE AGENDA ITEMS ARE 4A, 4B, AND 4C, WHICH ARE THE uh, DRAFT me- meeting, MEETING MINUTES FOR OCTOBER 22ND, NOVEMBER 13TH, AND DECEMBER eleventh, twenty 2023. ARE THERE ANY um, AMENDMENTS OR QUESTIONS FROM BOARD MEMBERS?
4: Um, I have to abstain for, uh, four B. Okay, I'm absent.
5: Okay. Uh, Yep. I'll I'll need to abstain from four C. Four C. I was not present.
0: Okay. Okay. Any other abstentions?
6: Um, Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll probably need to abstain from four A and four B as well.
0: Four A and four B. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. I guess do we have? Yeah, I think we haven't. Still have a quorum to vote for on all three items. I believe we have at least four members present, right?
1: Okay. Oh, President Ham, did you catch that I was abstaining from four? Yeah, yeah. Well. Okay.
0: Both yourself and okay. s- and board member Sue. Okay. So uh, procedurally, staff, should we vote on each each uh, set of minutes?
2: Sure, that, that's probably okay. best, just so we record yep, the votes just properly. To record.
0: Okay, so, um, so we'll first vote on um, the minutes for the meeting of October 23rd. And uh, all in favor, aye. Aye. aye? aye. Aye. And abstentions? Excuse me, oh, no, oh, we, no? sorry,
7: we need to make a motion first. I move to approve oh. agenda, uh, consent calendar item 4A. Yeah, that does
0: remind me. Uh, we need to open it up for public comments, right? Yes. Mm, so I not, should before not for we
7: consent.
0: do we?
2: Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes.
0: Yeah, that's what I seem to recall. So before we uh, entertain a motion, or is there anyone, uh, member of the public, we should speak to the consent calendar items?
2: And then we'll need a second.
0: Yeah, yeah, but no speakers, right?
2: Correct, no speakers, okay, no
0: speakers. Uh, at this time. So then we'll entertain uh, a motion for item 4A. So I, he- uh, yeah. I second. Okay, a move by uh, Board Member Ruiz, seconded by uh, Board Member Sahiba. So all in favor?
8: Aye. Aye.
0: Aye. Aye. Any no's? And we do have uh, Board Member Wang and Sue abstaining. So I believe that's a five-0 vote right for five and two extensions. Okay, so moving on to board item 4B, which uh, a motion for that item?
8: Yeah, I'll move to approve.
0: Okay, move to approve uh, by board member uh, Riza. Second it? Second it? I'll second. Okay. Um, second it by board member Sahiba. So, all in favor, aye. 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 All, any opposed? Abstentions? We have board member Saneros, uh, board members Wang, and board member Sue, three abstentions. So, item passes four three, right? Okay, now, the last item, uh, the minutes for December 11th, um, motion.
4: I will move to approve.
0: Okay. Move by Board, uh, Vice President uh, Saneros. Second? Second. Okay. Second by Board Member Wang. So all in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? And we do have Board Member Sahiba abstaining. So that item passes six and one abstention. Okay, great. So, board member, I mean, not board member, so agenda item 4D, which is a, um, a use permit and final de- and design review related to a public hearing to consider approval of the uh, fulfillment plan and conditional use permit for an indoor animal shelter and veterinary medical services. Staff has informed us that the item requ- is requested to be continued. To a date certain, to February 12th, planning board meeting. uh, To continue to a date certain, we do need a motion from uh, the board for that continuance. So, uh, motion. Motion to approve continuance. Um,
8: I can't do a motion. Can we? um, I, I move to approve the continuation of item 4D on February 12th.
0: 2024. Okay. A move by Board Member Ariza. Second? I'll second. Okay. Seconded by Vice President Soneros. So, all in favor? Aye. 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 Uh, any opposed? No. So, item is approved 7 0. So, this item will be continued to the February 12th, 2024 Planning Board meeting okay uh, we're moving on to the regular agenda items item 5a which is a public hearing on a comprehensive update of the city subdivision ordinance and this is would be a recommendation for amendments to the city council so uh, staff report please
2: yes uh, good evening um, i'm steve buckley the Planning Services Manager, and I'll be making the presentation tonight. Um, We reviewed this um, in the fall last year, and uh, since then, um, I've taken it back and uh, reviewed it uh, some more with uh, Public Works staff. Um, We have uh, Scott Wickstrom here from Public Works, City Engineer, um, for uh, technical questions. Uh, He's been a great help in trying to sort of just fine-tune all the details on, on this ordinance amendment uh, for the subdivision uh, section of the development code. Um, I will note the condominium portion of this has been uh, uh, excerpted uh, from the amendments. Um, as we were getting into it, we realized that there were some possible issues with the um, overlap with tenant protection uh, provisions in the, in the municipal code. Um, in terms of how, uh, say, a conversion of an existing uh, multi-unit building uh, with sitting tenants would be handled in terms of noticing and meetings, and, um, you know, relocation benefits. And we didn't want to um, rush that. Um, and so um, we're going to take that back and, and, uh, and work on that some more. But other than that, um, the main focus of these amendments has right right point this oh there we go okay um, right so here's the list of uh, the main um, objectives of this revision um, just in terms of uh, implementing the housing element which said that we were going to do this uh, as the main one um, and the the impetus of that was that the current ordinance um, has a sort of burdensome process and some very outdated provisions and incomplete provisions related to um, the way state law is now written and the way um, we're supposed to be streamlining certain approvals. And so instead of um, the current process, which um, requires everything to go to the city council, um, we're um, kind of pushing that discretion down uh, lower to the planning board uh, for tentative maps and to um, uh, planning manager for the uh, parcel maps. And the uh, city engineer is uh, heavily involved in looking at the technical aspects and um, reviewing the studies and the survey and things like that as well. And so um, this is meant to facilitate development um, and we just saw this with the 23 lot subdivision out at Alameda Point, um, where, um, you know, it's a fairly s- simple map. It's a large lot subdivision. There's no particular um, issues with it, um, but it had to, you know, make its way through multiple steps uh, to get to the city council, at which point, um, you know, they approved it without comment. Um, and so this is, this is meant to kind of... Uh, streamline while still also allowing appeals. So the City Council in those controversial cases would still be able to um, either call it up for their own review or um, someone could appeal it to them. Um, So again, we went through this last time. Um, I won't go through it again. But there's a dozen different things that we're trying to accomplish and that that we've changed. Um, I didn't provide you with a red line and strikeout version simply because the whole thing is being stricken and rewritten. So um, that would just sort of be uh, pointless. Um, but w- again, we did sort of um, strip out the, the condominium conversion section, which actually is a separate section. So um, it's, it's easy to just come back to that later. Um, so again, condo map on this table uh, was shown last time. Now I've highlighted it in red. That's just, that's not being considered. But everything else here is still uh, the same as last time um and so i'm don't think we really have much to tell you about changes um so if you have any questions i'd be happy to answer them
0: though okay thank you for the presentation uh, questions from board members clarifying questions at this point um Vice President Cenaros.
4: Yeah, um, thank you uh, for bringing this back and incorporating um, our comments from the review session. Uh, just a clarifying question I'm curious what cities, when you mentioned in the staff report um, aligning um, our program with other neighboring cities, which ones those are? Uh, what cities are those? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, honestly, I don't know. Um, a lot of the drafting happened before I was hired. Um, so I don't actually know the the, the templates exactly that were used. Um, but I do know that um, I sort of did a side-by-side read with the subdivision ordinance, I mean the Subdivision Map Act, the state law. And so what I was mostly doing was sort of doing that final check to, to make sure that like we had everything in there that needed to be in there, and that it was making the right code references to the state law. Um, And all those sort of um, detail cleanup things.
4: Got it. Um, I just asked because I'm always curious, like maybe what city is like maybe more ambitious Mm. on a certain policy versus others. So that's all. Mm. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Any board member Ruiz?
7: And this is, um, thank you for bringing this back and clarifying question again, forgive my ignorance. But um, under tentative map applicability, it apply, applies to five or more parcels and also apartment a community apartment project containing five or more parcels. So if one apartment, let's say if I have a, hypothetically speaking a 100 unit apartment project but I don't intend to condo map it or anything, then I don't need to submit a tentative map. Am I reading this correctly?
2: Right. Right, okay. it's it's for. Um, right for the for the specific t- development type. Um, do you want to speak to the community? What was it?
7: So let's say if I have an apartment project, and the owner has no intention to, condo map it, so it will always remain as one owner, single ownership. Yes. Then they do not need to submit a T map. Correct. Okay. Correct. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Any other questions from board members? Uh, board member Zhu.
6: Um, thank you. Uh, and and perhaps this has been addressed in the prior presentation. Um, but on vesting tentative maps, um, it says here in in the general section, and I think throughout that section that um, the vesting tentative map is only applicable to residential developments. And I I think that may be inconsistent with the subdivision map act, which I think you can apply to any type of development, not just residential. And, and perhaps this is like a quirk of of the Alameda, you know, maybe there's something in the charter or the code itself, but um, just wanted to kind of ask about that.
2: Hmm. Um, well, I can look that up. Okay,
6: yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, I mean, we certainly don't mean to be overly restrictive. We're trying to sort of lean the other direction. Yeah. Um, so um, if
6: someone is entitled to file, Mm-hmm. Map. And yeah, and and I, you know, and I think even if the language is left in this way, I, I don't think it would prevent someone necessarily because, you know, I get, when it comes down to a conflict, doing this code and, and the subdivision map back, the map back would control. So, yeah. um, but maybe it would be helpful to just clean up that language. And and I noticed that it's that language is in the current code, so perhaps it's mm-hmm. just a, something from the past that hasn't been corrected. Um, Okay, thank you. Yeah. And then I just had one other question uh, on contiguous lots, um, which is 3075.4, this is page eight of the uh, ordinance. Um, This is, I I don't quite understand this section or just how continuous lots work, but the way I'm reading this is is if you have an owner and they own, um, you know, two lots side by side, that for the purposes of this code, they're deemed merged. Uh, and maybe this is supposed to target a specific situation, but I just wanted to kind of make sure I understand that I'm reading this section correctly. Because the way I'm reading it is that if, if you have two lots and they're both owned by the same owner, they're deemed merged by, by for the purposes of this section. And so then when they say they want to go ahead and, like, sell or lease that second lot later on, or, you know, one of the lots later on, They'd have to go through this process again. So I just wanted to to ask about that. Yeah,
2: you know, I'm reading the the rest of that sentence, and I think it's um if they're going to be re-subdividing, then they're they're considered as one lot. Um so it's it's kind of um I don't know, it's almost redundant because of course it's gonna get sort of merged and resubdivided if they're gonna do that. Right. If I may, uh, Scott from city
9: engineer. Uh, mergers are a complicated history within the Subdivision Map Act. Uh, you know, if you're a land development attorney, you'd know that. Uh, there was a huge push by the state to, or a, a lot of cities just to merge old subdivision maps that have been around since the turn of the century. And the state modified the Subdivision Map Act to essentially make it much more challenging and difficult to automatically merge contiguous parcels. So where it says, unless exempted by provisions of the Map Act, there's a whole set of series of provisions in the Map Act that talks about a notice and hearing waiver. There's a public hearing notice. There's a whole process you have to go through. Um, however this section here um, we did we have recently come across a project where they had one owner had multiple contiguous lots and they wished by their own accord to merge those lots and we use this section to allow that to happen um, uh, there's enough provisions and protections in the state subdivision map act that would preclude the city of Alameda from forcefully merging um, the properties without the owner's consent okay yeah thanks
6: that makes a lot of sense
0: um, any other questions from board members? I have a couple of questions, staff, if I may. Mm-hmm. And one one of these items is only because I just had to deal with this, and I just pulled it up. And I'm, maybe the city attorney can clarify. But um, SB 684 was uh, was signed into law last year that uh, has some streamlining provisions for. Um, developments that meet certain conditions at less than 10 lots or 10 um, parcels if under five acres. And I'm wondering if that will be incorporated into perhaps future uh, subdivision map amendments. Because right now, I guess we're still, you know, five or fewer as a parcel map. And, and I see that tentative maps are still subject to. Um, you know, a planning director's recommendation decision. But I guess you're supposed to be now, if they meet certain conditions, they're supposed to be allowed to be approved ministerially. So I just wanted to know whether that has been considered in the latest amendments.
2: Yeah, I'm looking for the the section. We actually did add a ministerial section. Um, And now, of course, I can't quite put my finger on it. But I think it's a parcel map. Approved by the planning director without a hearing or appeal. Um, and we referenced a couple of those government code sections that you're referring to in, and, suggest- and other state laws that may come in the future. Um, mm-hmm. remember that is? Ministerial approvals, 30-83. Oh, okay, okay.
0: So it's covered, basically, that's the... That's line, kind of the
2: right? catch-all. Just, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just me... So all of this applies unless it doesn't apply, <laughs> in which case we'll just approve your map. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, it still
2: has to look like a map. Is yes, the thing. Right. So it you still has to, to meet all just, the requirements. It's just
0: the approval process. Yeah. I think got
2: streamlined. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Um, and then I have uh, just a couple more questions regarding the the table that shows the proposed review process. Mm-hmm. AND uh, A COUPLE OF ITEMS LIKE THE TENDED MAP, PARCEL MAP, TECHNICAL AMENDMENTS, AND TIME EXTENSIONS, IT INDICATES THAT THOSE ARE DECISIONS, um, IT'S DECISION OF THE PLANNING DIRECTOR, BUT IT CAN BE appealed TO THE PLANNING BOARD. Um, THE QUESTION IS, FOR THOSE ITEMS, IS THE PLANNING BOARD THE FINAL DECISION SO THAT THOSE ITEMS CANNOT BE FURTHERED appealed to the city council because right now I see call for review, which means the city council can call it up. Just wondering if members of the public can appeal the planning board's decision to the city council for those items.
2: Well, right. The first appeal would be to the planning board. Right. And then from there, it could be, yes, appealed or called for review. Oh, okay. You're, you're right. Those those go together.
0: So those the table maybe should say call for sure. review or appealed. Yeah, it's JUST really... WANT TO MAKE SURE BECAUSE SOMETIMES, YOU KNOW, SOME DECISIONS, THE PLANNING BOARD IS GIVEN THE FINAL AUTHORITY. Mm-hmm. THERE'S NO APPEAL TO THE CITY COUNCIL. Yeah, I, think,
2: I THINK THAT'S RIGHT. OKAY. Um, EXCEPT THE PARCEL MAPS. I THINK THE PARCEL MAPS, WE MEANT THAT THE PLANNING BOARD WOULD BE THE FINAL STOP FOR PARCEL MAPS. FOR PARCEL MAPS. Yeah, UNLESS but... CALLED FOR REVIEW BY THE COUNCIL ITSELF.
0: OKAY. SO THEN yeah, tend so that's to accurate. PARTS. SO THAT'S yeah. So. Those are the first two items, which attend the parcel map and the parcel map. But then technical amendments and time extensions could be appealed to the city council.
2: Technical amendments can be appealed to the planning board.
0: Yeah, but question is, can the planning board's decision be appealed to the city council?
2: No, that would that would also stop at the planning okay, board so unless CALLS for review. So the
0: table is correct. Actually,
2: the table is correct. Okay, because, all right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. okay okay I had to refresh my memory (laughs) Um, yeah and I did want to make one other note before you vote assuming you're going to vote um, on the resolution that I provided the draft resolution Exhibit 1 just want to note I mean I will make a few technical Corrections to this uh, referring to the attachment and um, recording your vote and your and your recommendation. Um, And the paragraph at the bottom that says the decision of the planning board should be final unless appealed. That's that's a wrong statement that shouldn't be in this in this template. So actually, your decision is not appealable tonight. Your your decision or recommendation tonight automatically goes to Council as a recommendation as a recommendation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thanks for clarifying. We'll note that amendment or that Change to the resolution yeah, when
2: we just if we adopt
0: out. yeah if we recommend adoption I should yes. say I do have one final question and this is just clarification reversion to acreage um, I'm sure there's a good reason for this uh, but why is refersion to acreage requires a city council decision
2: uh, I believe that's how the map act is written is it oh. yeah okay so it's, yeah okay I, I think we didn't really have much flexibility mm. there. And we don't really see it happen in Alabama. Yeah,
0: I, it doesn't happen too often. I'm just wondering why if all the, because yeah. it seems like a right. relatively minor. Right. Uh, but if that's the Submission Map Act, that's the Submission Map Act. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, any, if there's no other questions, I guess at this point. I have just one, oh, one oh, follow-up. Sorry. Yeah. sorry. Board member Sue.
6: Um, just a follow-up question to to, to um, President Homs' question about reversion acreage. Um, I think I was reading in that, in that section that it reverts it back to what the previous, I guess, lot setup was. Um, I've always been confused by that word, acreage. Is it just kind of a term of art, and what, what, what you're really doing when you do a reversion acreage is to go back to what the prior map was that existed before the current map? That's, that just sounds confusing, honestly. but. Don't know. Yes, that is correct. <laughs>
9: okay. <laughs> the, the term acreage would be just a—it's a, a, a—it's a, basically it's unwinding the subdivision. The, uh, as as many you probably appreciate, subdivision maps are recorded, and then we have a subdivision improvement agreement to complete the improvements. If the improvements are never completed, or some other thing happens—change in economy, change of uh, you know any number of reasons. AND the, the, THE CITY, AND THAT'S USUALLY WHEN IT GOES BACK TO CITY COUNCIL, CITY COUNCIL HAS THE OPTION TO UNWIND THE SUBDIVISION, REVERT IT BACK TO THE CONDITION, THE STATE OF MAPPING THAT EXISTED PRIOR TO THAT TRACK management.
6: Yeah. THANKS.
0: OKAY. AT THIS POINT, uh, STAFF, ARE THERE ANY SPEAKERS ON THIS ITEM? I'LL OPEN UP THE PUBLIC HEARING. ANY SPEAKERS?
3: WE HAVE NO SPEAKERS.
0: OKAY. NO SPEAKERS. ALL RIGHT. I'LL CLOSE THE PUBLIC HEARING. AT THIS POINT, OPEN IT FOR BOARD DISCUSSION OR A MOTION.
4: Um, I'LL MOVE TO APPROVE WITH THE AMENDMENT TO ADJUST THE RESOLUTION WITHOUT THE APPEALS LANGUAGE AS STATED BY STAFF.
0: Um. OKAY. MOVED BY uh, VICE PRESIDENT Sonaros TO APPROVE, RECOMMEND APPROVAL OF THE RESOLUTION WITH AMENDMENT AS NOTED BY STAFF. DO WE HAVE A SECOND?
6: Second. Okay,
0: Board Member Sue, second it. So first and second it. All in favor.
10: Aye. 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 Aye.
0: Any opposed? Abstentions. Um, recommendation is approved, seven to zero. Okay, great. Now we move on to the next item, which is another a uh, lot of update of amendment or, or ordinances. So the next one, let me find the right page here. Next one is item 5B, which is a public hearing to update the city's zoning ordinance regarding reasonable accommodations, fences and barriers, and non-conforming buildings and uses. And this, similar to the last item, is a recommendation to the city council, it's not an adoption. So at this point, uh, staff uh, presentation, please.
2: Yes, uh, good evening again. And um, this presentation will also look pretty familiar. Um, And um, you've seen these three topics um, uh, last year. And uh, since then, I've kind of tweaked it a little bit um, in response to uh, your comments and questions. Um, I think. you know, a lot of your questions were sort of clarifying points um, about, um, you know, sort of what you liked or um, didn't like about each of these. Mostly fences, I think, was the main topic of conversation, a little bit about nonconforming uses, um, and sort of um, what's, the, what's the standard of review for, you know, like um, uh, when a nonconforming use uh, is um, established or expanded or uh, you know if, if something is partially demolished and then reestablished and those sorts of thresholds and um, you know we looked back and you know the, the term of art on that was substantial completion or s- something along those lines and and that really is a term of art that I, I don't think we want to sort of try to over define um, Uh, There are some numbers in the ordinance, about 30% and 70% in terms of the valuation of the demolition um, and when you need either a use permit or you need to conform fully to the code. Um, And we left those in as well, um, feeling that, um, you know, sort of changing those now, um, we would need to really study it and justify it. And um, so far, it hasn't really been a problem to have those kinds of thresholds in the code. Um, What we're really trying to do with the non-conforming uses is, um, again, just sort of actually put some stuff back in that got deleted accidentally when the housing element zoning changes were made, and then um, clarify the difference between a use and a building. So the structure itself might be non-conforming, but the use might be conforming or vice versa. Uh, And so we've gone through the code and kind of created a use discussion and a building discussion um, so um, I'm jumping ahead but that's the non-conforming uses part and then on the fences I want to I want to focus your attention I think on fences because um, <clears throat> although it, it's kind of a small topic in some ways it's actually what people see all over town mm-hmm. every day when you're moving through the the city so um, it's all of the front yards and the side yards and the street yards and you know everything so um, I wanted to bring that back to you in particular Um, so you know we've we started out with fences mostly focusing on the fact that we don't want to regulate um, vegetation that is growing um, along a property line primarily because it will keep growing and then uh, it sort of implies that we're somehow going to be out there patrolling to make sure that everybody's hedge is only six feet tall. And that is kind of unrealistic. Um, and it creates a lot of tension between people when you know they've planted a nice whatever and you know mm-hmm. nurtured it and it's growing well, and now somebody's complaining and they have to top it or take it out. Um, so that was sort of the impetus for the fence discussion was um, to um, take out the hedge. Uh, provisions, and then also to think about um, some of the height limitations and um, we were kind of thinking, well, maybe they're fine except maybe like the street side yard which we which we looked at um, and you know we looked at um, front yard fences that are three feet or four feet and side yard fences that are five feet or six feet um, and then um, how they transition kind of from the front to a little bit further back, like the top photo here. Um, and that, that really seems to work pretty well, because it keeps that openness in the front, but gives the privacy on the, on the side and the back. Um, but then we looked at the street side, which these two are. And it's like, hmm, maybe, maybe six or seven feet is too much on that street side. And so we were recommending four feet there. With a provision for five feet with the open lattice type so you still have some privacy and security but it's not a wall along the back of the sidewalk so that's still our recommendation Um, and then uh, arbors and again the the open trellis um, gives you some flexibility Um, and the commercial and um, recreational fences would remain um, uh, taller because they provide uh, different kind of security and um, screening. Uh, barbed wire, which st- is uh, not allowed, um, except above us—I uh, believe it's six feet—so that you know you're sort of not prone to touching it. Um, but it's allowed in particular locations where security is an issue, such as um, at the marinas. Um, and um, so this is the chart that has kind of the, the current is in the middle, and that's where you get six feet all the way around the back and the sides, even on the street side. And then um, on the right was a recommendation to allow four feet on those street sides instead of six. Um, and again, with, a, with one extra foot uh, everywhere if it's an open lattice. Um, then we, then I got some feedback that was like, well, maybe the front yard should also be four feet because, um, you know, there's a, there's a sense that maybe some more security is desirable and four feet, three feet, you know, it's not a huge difference. Maybe, maybe that doesn't make a big difference. Um, but in your packet or in your email, um, today we received some feedback questioning that direction. Um, uh, suggesting from the uh, preservation society that maybe we should leave well enough alone and keep the three feet in the front yard. Um, So um, we have some pictures from Google, Um, a great uh, tool for doing site visits uh, (laughs) at the last minute. (laughs) Um, And so here, I'm going to show you just a few examples. And again, so this is three. And that's three. But you see, you know, there's sort of the open, open look. And then there's sort of the (coughs) solid look. And again, this one steps up at at the further back. Um, And then here's an interesting contrast. So the one on the left is about (coughs) three, the one on the right is about four. And they're both kind of an open material. Um, and so it sort of demonstrates, well, it, it, I guess it depends on how it's designed and implemented and even the color, right? I mean, white uh, lattice is, is a different feel than, you know, red boards. Um, and so, you know, we don't want to be over pre, overly prescriptive in telling people what color they can paint their fence or things like that. But we have some basic principles here that I wanted to just bring to your attention and, and see if that was anything you wanted to you know discuss further. This one obviously is not allowed. Um, it's five feet. Um, looks like they're also planning to put a lattice on top to bank at six, like the side fence there that's likely six feet already. Um, so of course, then, you know, once we adopt this ordinance, if we change something, it It could be more lenient, in which case people get to keep their fences, or it could be more restrictive, in which case now they're all non conforming. And so we wanted to also bring that to you and say, well, maybe we need to make a provision that if it's existing, we're not even going to call it non conforming because that kicks in a whole bunch of rules about non conforming things that have to, you know, again, like if they're destroyed or replaced or maintained, there's different kinds of thresholds and requirements for nonconforming, So all of that to say, uh, those street side fences, if we go to four feet, a lot of those would become nonconforming, And we're thinking we probably need to have a provision that says that's OK, they pre-existed. Sometimes it's hard to know what was pre-existing and what wasn't, but we have these great tools now. Um, Google and uh, NearMap and other tools that can actually show us what was existing when. Um, so that may not be such a big issue. Um, versus then this new fence that I just picked out of the sky. Um, and you know now that I've seen it, I probably have to investigate it and uh, tell them they need to cut down the top of those boards. Um, because I'm assuming we're not going to six feet in the front yard. Um, the, I think the real debate is maybe like three or four feet. So I'm not sure uh, quite how you want to uh, tackle this, um, but this, this is another example here of uh, three feet around the front and then six feet kind of next to the house there. And so this is the kind of um, stuff that you see around town. And probably for most people, they just get used to it. It's like, oh, that's just how that house is um but um we want to at least have some rational rules that we can then implement um i'm not going to really talk about reasonable accommodation that's the other section that we're editing i don't think you had any real comments i don't think i made any edits so um, i'm going to leave that one alone unless you have questions Uh,
0: staff you had mentioned that um, the version that we received in our packet has some strikeouts that weren't intended to be strucken. Did you want to cover those, too?
2: Yeah, okay, sure. Um, so on the, the handout that um, was Exhibit 3, and it was red line and strikeout, it showed all the additions underlined and the deletions stricken, Um, I used the Microsoft Word tool that does a comparison side-by-side of of documents, but it it captured a lot more changes than I had intended. So if you look at the third page under Section 30-5.7, It all starts to be st- struck out, and that wasn't intentional. So the, those whole like four pages um, were sections that I was not editing, and so I left them out. And so A through A through F have no changes. Hmm. So I know it's <laughs> it's so much more sense. It's it's kind of a mess, but. Um, but the clean version is accurate Mm, no no no
7: if you look at the sorry
2: Mm -mm. no because it says edit only uh, these sections board member
0: ruiz
7: if if you look at the clean version um the whole section was deleted
2: well yeah that's
7: why i can't
2: Hmm.
7: And i know we're not at board questions yet but i
2: Page Look five
7: at page of 19. five of nineteen, all the yeah. way in the bottom.
2: Page five of nineteen. What I what I put in brackets was no edits. So I meant to say. Just skip over these things. These are just headings to so you can keep, in place A through. But F, the
7: text will go back. Have right? no,
2: yeah. Have no edits.
7: Okay, because the way I read it is. The whole thing got deleted, and anyway.
2: Yeah. So it, it shows that, that. It
7: is still, and I was. That's why I highlighted this whole section as oh. incoherent.
2: Oh, oops,
7: <laughs> that's I, all
2: right. I apologize. It was meant to be just so you could keep track of the the, the topical headings, so you knew where section F fit in the overall scheme. Got so you. section F also doesn't have too many edits until you get to subsection six, and that's where we're really that's the only piece that we're really trying to rewrite.
11: Okay, thank I'm sorry, you for that's the clarification.
2: Yeah. So, um, hmm.
0: is section 30-5.7 could... the only section that was inadvert- inadvertently shown as red line to be deleted or there other sections of this red line draft? Where inadvertently there were some deletions shown that are not right.
2: Right. So the subsection six reconstruction of legally nonconforming accessory buildings. That's the only one that's really supposed to have edits, which are shown.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. Sorry. I guess yeah. Trying to save space. ENDED UP MAKING MORE MESS, SO um, I MEAN, I GUESS WE COULD REPUBLISH THIS WITH ALL OF THE TEXT. THAT'S IMPORTANT um, TO YOU um, for, un- FOR YOUR UNDERSTANDING AS WELL AS FOR THE PUBLIC'S UNDERSTANDING.
0: Um. I'LL OPEN IT UP TO BOARD PREFERENCE ON IT. Uh, FOR CLARITY, IS STAFF, I MEAN, NOT STAFF, IS BOARD MEMBERS Preferring to see an updated clean version before we proceed further before making a recommendation maybe tonight we can um, use the time to you know just ask questions but not necessarily take an ac- action or take it to recommendation board members ahiba
5: yeah I, I i think this suggestions are are fine but maybe we should wait till after public comment yeah and yeah, and yeah. there mm-hmm. may be more that comes yeah
0: Yeah, yeah. I figure we would um, continue to proceed with the public hearing, um, take comments, uh, uh, have staff receive board, you know, questions and comments, and then maybe continue the item. But uh, just want to make sure that that might be the consensus of staff, and we can make a motion to that at a later point. Uh, Okay. any any other comments, staff, at this point?
2: Um, no, I. Um, I'm happy to answer questions or um, take you back through either the text or the photos.
0: Yeah. Um, any board questions? At this point, before we open up the hearing, board member. Oh, let's see, who was first? <laughs> board member Wang. I'll start off with you.
1: Yes, um, thank you, thanks for that presentation. Um, This may have been discussed in prior presentations, but I am wondering now um, whether hedges are or are not regulated elsewhere, if they're not regulated within this section.
2: Um, They're regulated only on larger projects that have an approved development plan perhaps that specifies a landscaping plan
1: yeah I um, that's interesting I, I guess that this sort of came to to mind because you know some hedges can be can function as, as essentially as barriers right they can be quite impenetrable and so for you know to the extent that a fence, functions, if a, if a fence is limited in height for some sort of safety or visibility function, you know, you would think that that would similarly apply to a, a particularly thick or impenetrable hedge. So, that, that was one thought that I had. I may be treading on old territories.
2: So. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't disagree. I mean, that, that's certainly true. Um, and that's why they were included before. Um, but as I said, I, I think the the current thinking is that um, they're also very hard to regulate in that sense.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, Board member Ariza, you had a question?
8: Yes, thank you for the explanation. I, I just want to kind of summarize and make sure that what we're looking at what I'm understanding is correct. So we're just here looking at the the height of the fences that are in the front yards or on side yards that are adjacent to the street. Backyards as well that are adjacent to the street. Because in one of the photos, that's what seemed to, it seemed to show like. A lot that maybe was a corner lot and had front yard to one street, side yard to another street, and then it had the backyard.
2: Yeah, um, well, I think that would still be considered the street side, right. all the way back to the corner.
8: So, we would be wording it more as the fen- the heights that are defined. Physical from the street regardless of whether the the actual lot is a side yard or a backyard or
2: right right it would be it would be parallel or yeah adjacent to the street
8: and i guess i'm a little concerned because in a way a backyard is kind of a different use very different than a side yard or a front yard so in that situation it seems that allowing people to have a little bit more height, um, maybe with some recommendations or requirements that a portion of it is more transparent or something like that, might be ideal. I'm not sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely corner corner lots are tricky, mm-hmm. um, and um, so we could certainly provide that. Say the 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 last twenty feet. Could be taller or something like that.
8: Okay, thank you.
0: Question, let's see, uh, I'll go with uh, Vice President Ceneros.
4: Thanks. Um, uh, clarifying question uh, What was the motivation to bring up the height from three feet to four feet, just privacy? Um.
2: Um, well, yeah i think partly that um we get requests as well it's sort of like this you know people come in or they just build a taller fence in the front because they want the privacy and security kids dogs whatever um and then we have to tell them no you can't do that Mm -hmm. you know because and that you know so it's sort of this it's can be a a point of tension between neighbors too
4: okay yeah and particularly in the front yard like uh that that. THAT'S WHAT I'M WONDERING. Um, yeah. uh, and, AND SO YOU'VE BEEN JUST GETTING THAT MUCH MORE request RECENTLY FOR THAT ALLOWANCE, OKAY.
2: I THINK SO. I THINK THAT'S WHAT okay. I'VE HEARD. Um, okay. BUT AS I SHOWED YOU, I MEAN, there, THERE ARE WAYS OF THEN MITIGATING HEIGHT VERSUS TRANSPARENCY OR, YOU KNOW, OTHER THINGS.
7: Yeah. THANK YOU.
0: I'M board MEMBER RUIZ.
7: SO THANK YOU FOR BRINGING THIS BACK. AND um, JUST A FEW QUESTIONS one um, on page in the beginning of the, the um, ordinance you added the word under you know thank you for clarifying between nonconforming building and nonconforming use and under nonconforming building we added the word um, lawfully erected or um, and so what what do we classify buildings that were unlawfully <laughs> erected they are non illegal
2: (laughs) illegal okay so this will not enforcement this will make
7: this does not apply to any building that was that we that has no record or
2: right if it's
7: been so old that we couldn't find any paperwork on it
2: yeah i mean we we have kind of you know a protocol in terms of you know we we have half a dozen different sources of records. Um, and then from there, we can infer certain things. And you can tell from the era, you know, aluminum windows weren't put in in 1900. Um, so we sort of try to piece together what we can, um, and then um, look at the code that applied at that time as well. So um, there is a fair amount of research that can be involved um, and documentation. And then, you know, there's always the opportunity to bring it into conformance. So if someone illegally added a kitchen in their basement, see it all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, they can now convert that to an ADU if they meet code. And so they have to then document it, get the permit, get the inspections. But there is a way to make it not illegal anymore.
7: Okay. Thank you. And then second question is on page five of the clean version, um, there's a reference under bullet point number four, says major design review as outlined in section 30-27. I don't think 30-27 exists, I think you meant 30-37. So can we clarify that? The reason that um, I looked it up because I was wondering you know, in in our ordinance, we have design review section, Mm -hmm. and because major design review was all capitalized, so I was looking for that section, Mm -hmm. and I can't seem to find it. Mm -hmm. So we either need to modify Mm -hmm. that word to just say design review, or clearly reference what that major design review section is.
2: Mm -hmm.
7: So if you can (coughs) look at that, that would be great. Sure, thank you. Another question I have is under reasonable accommodation, there were seven references, In uh, be, some reference calls out for director, some calls out for, for planning director, and I was wondering if they are the same position. And it would be great if we can. I, I think under reasonable accommodation is all for planning director.
2: Yeah, we can make that more consistent.
7: Thank you. Is that just my questions? Okay.
0: Any other uh, board questions at this point, one more clarifying question. questions? Uh, board member Wang?
1: Yeah, um, one more question um, might be putting you on the spot a little bit to uh, represent the comment I think you said you received from the Preservation Society. I wondered if they had uh, explained why they preferred the three feet versus the four, whether there was a historic rationale to that.
2: Um, are they present? He might be able to explain better on his own during public comment.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: I do have some questions also, if I may, and um, some of these questions kind of follow up from Board Member Wang and Board Member Reza um, regarding the hedge issue. Um, I guess one of the concerns that I think might be expressed is there's a site distance requirement from a traffic safety standpoint, at like intersections and things like that. The question is, we, if we remove hedges from the definition of fences, what enforcement provision does the city have if a hedge is within the site triangle or the vision triangle?
2: Yeah, but, that actually does still apply. Um, so there's a separate section about streets and visibility. Um, that I believe is in a different code section as well. I don't remember which title it's under, but um, there's a, another section where the city engineer has the authority and there's just a blanket code section that says you can't have anything over three feet.
0: Three feet, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. And that's
2: hedges and shrubs and okay. whatever else, yeah.
0: In the vision triangle, okay. that's That's good to know. Uh, and then uh, another question, maybe this is for a board member reason. When I was reading it, reading the ordinance regarding fences, I see that there's the height limit for interior or um, or side yard fences is still six feet, so that hasn't changed. Is that correct, um, staff? But there is this additional provision that these interior fences can still add another 12 inches of. Um, see-through material, so that's the main change for interior and uh, side yard fences that don't face the street. They're still allowed to be six feet and maybe possibly up to seven. Is that
2: right? That's that's correct. So all of these, as it's written, allow for one more foot of um, see-through material.
0: Okay, okay. And then I, I had another question, which I had asked you earlier, but maybe just for, for the rest of um, board members' information. You deleted the section regarding nonconforming signs. I think you mentioned that elsewhere in the development code, there's another section that deals with nonconforming signs.
2: <clears throat> yes, that's right. The sign uh, section uh, has its own uh, provisions.
0: Okay, okay. And then just perhaps some wordsmithing under um, God, my eyes are bad. Uh, section uh, 30-20-2 uh, B. It kind of mentions, you know, when a use a use changes that triggers a use permit. And um, there's a list of items that where it increases in the intensity or certain uses. But for parking it says uh, has where there's a change in the different amount of parking. I'M I'm GUESSING THAT STAFF IS THINKING IS WHAT WOULD TRIGGER THE USE PERMIT IF THERE'S AN INCREASE IN PARKING REQUIREMENT. LIKE, FOR INSTANCE, IF A USE, THE PARKING ACTUALLY DECREASES, THEY DON'T NECESSARILY WOULD TRIGGER A USE PERMIT BECAUSE IT MIGHT BE A LESS INTENSIVE USE. SO I'M JUST WONDERING IF THE WORDING SHOULD BE increase IN PARKING RATHER THAN DIFFERENT AMOUNT OF PARKING. And this is section I see. yeah thirty dash twenty, two B,
2: right on page five. Yeah, uh, yes, we can, or page five of mine. Um, yeah, we can we can change that.
0: Okay, and then I have just got a couple of other questions. Uh, bear with me. Uh, this is um, section thirty twenty point four, C. Uh, there's a term that that says a building permit needs to be diligently pursued, and I guess no later than one year from the date of which. What? How are you going to define diligently um, pursued? Because that seems a little bit ambiguous.
2: Um, yeah, I guess it's it's a little bit like that other terminology. Um, substantially, you know or diligently it's it's the idea of like they make a complete application or if it's not complete they at least resubmit you know within a reasonable amount of time and then you know if we ask for clarification they provide the clarification but we can't we can't dictate exactly how they and staff and the planning board and everybody's schedules are going to work so having having a like you must obtain it within a year feels like that could put everybody in a bind, that, mm. oh, now we have to act quickly, you know, and we might have to deny it um, because it's not even ready, versus, you know, they're working on it, we're working with them, you know, it seems like it's uh, reasonable progress.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. I and also, just, yeah, also I just you know, it. it's in a situation see, where,
2: where where something's been destroyed or, you know, damaged, we don't want to put them at a bind as well, where, oh, now they have to go out and hire an architect and a contractor and pursue this, you know, within a year when they're also dealing with insurance and whatever family matters and everything else.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's a time limit anyway when use permits would expire anyway and and they could get an extension. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I'm just, that term just struck me as just kind of wondering how that would be applied. Yeah. Um, And then on 30-20-6, a there's a discussion of of you know of, of where the use might kind of stop or not work. Substantial work has not begun, but there as long as work has begun is considered valid. Uh, I guess what about the situation which I've encountered where work may have been started, but no inspections or work has been done for like. Uh, you know, 12, 18 months. So that once you begin the work, which sometimes happen, but either for whatever reason, property owner um, you know, lost financing or some family issue came up, the construction just stops and is indefinite. Is there just no time limit at all?
2: Well, it, it's sort of a question, then, of vesting. Um, at what point have they vested the permit anyway? Um, and then you know, what we have is, typically, for a building permit, if you don't call for an inspection within mm. some period of time. Six months, yeah. Typically, yeah. It, OK, you know, then the permit. building,
0: basically, the building permit would, uh, yeah, would the last. building code would kick in.
2: Yeah, yeah, Okay. And then they have to, obviously, you know, then they have to button up the site. And if they don't, then they're a nuisance. Okay. And then we can pursue them under a oh. nuisance. SO THEN THAT'S WHEN THE,
0: um, OKAY. AND THEN ONE FINAL QUESTION, IF I MAY. THIS IS ON FENCING, KIND OF A SECONDARY ISSUE. AND THIS IS, uh, WHAT PAGE IS IT? SECOND TO THE LAST PAGE. There's, um, THERE'S A REQUIREMENT, I THINK, AT THE BOTTOM OF THE PAGE, ABOUT HALFWAY DOWN. THIS IS TEMPORARY FENCING NEEDS, YOU HAVE TO APPLY FOR A a renewal of maybe it's administrative use permit. Yeah, every, um, after six months. Um, does that apply to construction fencing where a project might be ongoing? Or So that would, to me, is temporary fencing. So is the intent of that, is that, that would even apply to construction fencing?
2: Um, let's look. Um, I don't know. I guess we could clarify that. Yeah, yeah. I think construction fencing is normally part of the building permit, but um,
0: yeah, <clears throat> it's just that can, you yeah, know construction can, can go on for you know twelve twelve months, eighteen months. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to. Uh, just those are my questions. Um, any further questions? Oh, board member Sahiba.
5: Thank you for the presentation. Uh, just maybe I didn't find this, but on in the section of height limits and the discussion that we've had of going one foot above that with uh, what's a see-through style. Mm-hmm. W- where is see-through style defined? Um, it's
2: it's up at the top under definitions. Under definitions, I'll See through style. Number 10?
5: Number 10, okay. Um, and I guess n- is equal or less than 75% of any given square foot in the vertical plane. Okay, so the percentage of opacity, you, you were showing some examples and um, there was well, I, I guess that wouldn't qualify. One of the examples that you showed of a see-through, of like a frosted—I don't know—it feels plexi or something. That's that's not open, obviously, and that that
2: wouldn't qualify under this, correct? Right. So that wouldn't okay. be a, an acceptable top material. Okay. Um, it could still be a, a railing or a barrier or a fence, um, but it could only be to the height limit. Got it, got it, understood. And then um,
5: on, I was just curious on the non-residential fences where we talk about um, on number six in that section, fences erected for uh, delineating outdoor dining and such. And it says displayers and so, um, occurring on city sidewalks. Um, is there a different section that deals with pavilions or fences erected on city
2: streets? Um, yeah. So, um, which is public works. Okay. And so, encroachment permits have their own criteria. Um, what we're getting at here is those in-between zones where a retailer or a restaurant, mm-hmm. you know, puts something out on the sidewalk during the day, um, and It's kind of a little bit of an encroachment but it's also a little bit of a use permit Um, and um, we we in zoning allow display within a certain zone in front of your store Mm -hmm. um, but we don't want you to you know sort of assume you know control of it so you have to take the stuff away including any barriers okay i was just curious with public works um
5: managing the portion that's on the city streets. Mm -hmm. Is there coordination between what they're doing and what's described here?
2: Yeah. Okay. And
5: those are more permanent structures?
2: Yeah. Those those are like real encroachments. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of cities have this dilemma where they used to issue like restaurant permits, and we have some Mm -hmm. right around the corner where there's a little fence out in the sidewalk, and it's unused now by the current tenant. Mm -hmm. But it was used in the past. And so um, it becomes kind of a enforcement issue as well of like, well, who's gonna go out there and actually like, rip it out? Um, Or have they vested that again, they have a use permit. So that's, it runs with the land. Mm -hmm. But it's not really because it's public property. So WE'RE TRYING TO ADDRESS THAT HERE. OKAY.
5: OKAY. THANK YOU.
0: OKAY. IF THERE ARE NO uh, OTHER BOARD COMMENTS, I'LL OPEN IT UP TO THE PUBLIC HEARING. Uh, STAFF, DO WE HAVE ANY SPEAKERS?
3: YES. SO FAR WE'VE GOT ONE HAND RAISED. CHRISTOPHER BUCKLEY.
0: OKAY. Um, Chris BUCKLEY, YOU'RE ON. THREE MINUTES.
11: Christopher Buckley with the Alameda Architectural Preservation Society. I was going to go over some of the points in the letter we sent last night, which sounds like maybe some of the planning board members didn't see that, so hopefully I can fill in the gaps. Uh, We'd also like to thank the planning manager for his very helpful presentation, especially on fences. Um, First, uh, item two in our letter addresses the rules for front yard fences. And basically we're recommending that the existing rules be maintained. And in response to the board member question of the basis for that, which we did try to explain in our letter, was that we're concerned if we start getting fences that are taller than three feet, uh, we're gonna start getting more of a walled off look. Um, I submitted some um, illustrations, some photos that I was hoping to screen share. So if we could start that, that would be great for the screen share um that, that would illustrate you know some of these issues they're also attached to the letter so could we start the screen share please uh, i'm going to keep talking though
3: yeah if studio um, staff couldn't can share the the presentation right now
11: okay um, can but... or cannot
3: stand by chris I'm, I'm just asking the the staff to we have it up here in chambers uh, the board can see it it's just not on the That's zoom yet
11: because i'm running out of time here Um, So, the basic, so this is a um, four-foot, this is a uh, five-foot tall fence with the top 18 inches being see-through, and can we see the next image? This is also five feet tall with the top 28 inches as being see-through. So even with the see-through, you start getting this walled-off look if you get up to five feet. Under current rules, if you're above four feet, the planning director has to approve it. It's kind of a mini design review process, and there's procedures, criteria, and the guide to residential design that helps govern the planning board, planning director decision. Uh, So, we're really recommending that the, we're understanding the existing rules are, three feet can be solid or see-through. If you're above three feet, whether it's four feet or five feet, the whole fence needs to be see-through. And that's a little ambiguous. I think staff has been interpreting it to be but you can have up to three feet as solid, anything above three feet is see-through. So that perhaps needs to be clarified. Um, I'm going to move on to the next topic since I'm getting a little on time. Can can we have the next image, please? Which shows a plexiglass fence. uh, And uh, we're recommending for that that the definition of see-through be modified so it's defined as at least 25% transparent rather than no more than 75% opaque. That way, it would just exclude these translucent fences, since a translucent fence is not transparent. And I'm running out of time, so I will stop talking. Thank you.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, Any other staff comments? One more? Okay.
3: Yeah, we have one more hand raised or we did. But uh, Yeah, there we go. Um, Betsy Matheson, I'll unmute you. Okay. Ms.
12: Matheson. Thank you. I'm I'm following up on a letter that I submitted. Um, I could have made it even clearer by saying I like the existing fence regulations, but It will lose her potential properties, no matter how see-through it is. Can,
0: excuse me, Ms. Matheson. Can you repeat what you just said for whatever reason it cut out?
12: Okay. Um, I prefer the existing regulations, but in any case, I do not want to see any five-foot fences along frontages, no matter how see-through they are. I think it's too much of a wall. On the other hand, for people's backyards that form part of a a street side, I I think backyards, no matter how deep they are, should be allowed to have six-foot fences for privacy and security for people who raise kids and let them play in their backyards. I think uh, I am used to seeing that. I raised two kids not in Alameda for a few years, in a yard that had a picket fence probably four feet high along the backyard, and we did not let our kids play in the backyard by themselves. And I would not want to do that to anybody else. I think most of us are used to seeing tall backyard fences, even when they form the side frontage along the street, because that's standard to allow people to fence their backyards for security and privacy reasons. Thank you.
0: Okay, and thank you. Any other um, public comments at this point?
3: Looks like that's all of our speakers.
0: Okay, all right. So I'm going to close the public hearing. What I'd like to suggest to board members, for discussion purposes, um, since fencing seems to be kind of the, the, the primary item of discussion, I was thinking maybe we can first address the issue of our our feelings about the. Fencing proposed fence regulations, and after we finish that discussion, then we'll cover oh, any other items that uh, we wanted to discuss. Does that sound okay so we don't jump in t- different places? Yeah.
7: Um, Board member President Holm, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, given that we have asked uh, Mr. Buckley to bring back, are we asking him to only bring back the uh, non-conforming ordinance? Or are we asking him to bring back the whole thing?
0: Um, my understanding is, and, and please clarify, rest of the board members, um, my understanding is that you'll be bringing back uh, the non conforming and the fence, the, the basically, the, the full ordinance proposed under item 5C. Is that correct? Uh,
2: however, you want to approach it is fine. Um, it's probably I, I guess probably best to bring back the whole thing. Um, and we can still advance the subdivisions to council and that's really kind of the priority anyway.
0: Okay, okay. okay. So it sounds like there's agreement that the entire item 5B would be brought back to us in, um, in a clearer, clean up version and incorporate any comments we may have um, tonight in a motion. So with that, uh, I suggest we first address the issue of fences since that seems to be the primary item. So does board members want to begin express okay, board member Ruiz. Sorry,
7: President Hahn. another clarifying question uh-huh. from procedural standpoint. So this is just a commenting section and no action would be taken.
0: Yeah, though okay. I think the motion would be maybe to bring it back to bring it back for Reconsideration of the final version. Okay, thank yeah,
7: you. Yeah, but not
0: actually a formal recommendation to the city council is what I'm hearing.
7: Understood. Right. Thank right.
0: you. Okay. So at this point, I think we're providing feedback similar to like a study session. Um, comments uh, first on fences. Board member Ariza.
8: Um, yeah. I mean. I, I was just hearing the public comments and thinking about, in my mind, a four-foot fence versus a three-foot fence. And these these things can be abstract, but I think in reality, um, 48 inches definitely feel a lot taller than 36 inches. I think in general, 36 inches are maybe to your waist or maybe below, just kind of to give an image, and 48 just, kind of go maybe to your shoulder. Um, So I do agree with the public comments and the historical board that 48 inches might feel um, tall. At the same time, we could include a provision that anything about between 36 and 48 has to have a certain amount of transparency and maybe that solves that issue. That's just my opinion. I don't know that there is a right or wrong mm-hmm. approach. No, no.
0: Appreciate your comments. Uh, board member Wang?
1: Um, yeah, thank you. I, I, I think I echo that sentiment. Um, I think considering the four-foot height, I s- struggle myself to see a particular safety advantage to that extra foot. Um, on, on the other hand, I, I think to uh, board member Ariza's point, um, you can actually achieve that fourth foot, you know, if we stayed at a three-foot baseline with that extra one-foot provision um, in in the proposal. So I think I, I think that extra one-foot pop-up with the with the kind of see-through provision would work um, if you are trying to keep a you know a very tiny dog from jumping over or something. But I think that that extra visibility um, that you get from a from a THREE-FOOT BASELINE LIMIT um, IS A NICE THING TO HAVE.
0: OKAY. OKAY. OTHER BOARD MEMBERS' OPINION. BOARD MEMBER RUIZ.
7: Um, IN GENERAL, I DO SUPPORT uh, FELLOW BOARD MEMBERS' COMMENTS. HOWEVER, I ALSO KNOW REAL-LIFE SCENARIOS WHERE RESIDENTS DON'T HAVE A BACKYARD AND ALL THEY HAVE IS A FRONT YARD AND THEIR CHILDREN CANNOT PLAY OUTSIDE AND THEREFORE THEY MOVED BECAUSE THE FENCE WAS TOO LOW. So what I would like to recommend is that allowing a provision. If something does not comply with this um, ordinance, they can come to the Planning Review Board and for design review approval.
8: You can have variances, right? Just maybe related to certain circumstances like that.
2: Yeah, I think I'd, I'd prefer to call it design review. Design yeah. review. Yeah.
7: Okay. Because there's always going to, we need to allow for these special circumstances where it's a town home or scenario where there's no backyard, or they have is a front yard, and how do we allow somebody to let their dog out without jumping over the fence or let their children out play safely. So just provide a way out so the residents can come in front of the board and present the design and we can make the final decision.
2: Yeah, with with design review, I'll just clarify. Um, there is still a notice um, provided by staff level design review, and so folks who would be immediately affected would be able to comment to staff before we make a decision, as well as appeal after a decision. So um, that feels like that kind of addresses um, that that possible tension.
10: Okay. Okay.
0: Um, Vice President Sineros.
4: Yeah, um, really want to thank staff for bringing this back. Um, and I know we'll vote next time <laughs> or in the future meeting, uh, but I appreciate all the incorporation of the feedback and really um, many thanks to the public for their comments. Um, and I agree with my fellow board members. Um, and I think I also agree um, with this tr- 25% transparency suggestion. Um, uh, and you know, uh, definitely giving that flexibility for these design review um, unique opportunities. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, it's very walled <laughs> the, the opaque look of this of that image that um, the Preservation Society shared. So I think I like that suggestion. and would recommend that we consider that in incorporating that.
10: Okay. Okay
0: members Sahiba
5: thank you and thank you for the presentation um, and discussion when when I step back and just think of you know what role the fences play in the visual context of neighborhoods and what we see here in Alameda, I know the focus has been so much on uh, the imagery that we saw with fences there's a lot of yards with no fences and I don't you know i have no idea the percentages of yards with fences and, and just talking about front yards um and not having fences i i thought christopher buckley raised a very good point about when you for front yards when you decide to exceed three feet and you have that um see-through style for the additional foot His recommendation, which I agree with, is to make the whole fence consistent. I think at only the proportion of three feet to one feet, which is 75% of a fence and then 25%, that's a fractured look. I don't think that's cohesive for streetscapes and neighborhoods to have 75% one way and 25% the other way. It's different when you have a six foot fence. It's a higher percentage to then one foot above that right overall so I can't I, I don't think we can s- look at the 12 inches or one foot consistently between front yards and and rear yard fences I'm actually in, in the images that I saw most of those were at 50% openness The 75 percent is <laughs> more opaque than than I would have liked to see but I, I think if you go the extra foot on the front yard, you have to be more open than 75% in my mind. And I think you also need to, this says you exclude supporting posts. I think you need to include supporting posts because depending on how tightly someone spaces a supporting post or loosely, it's going to impact those percentages again for a shorter fence. It's going to play a greater role. So I would. IN MY um, RECOMMENDATION, I would, I WOULD REMOVE THE EXCLUSION OF SUPPORTING POSTS, I WOULD INCLUDE THOSE, AND I WOULD ALSO AGREE THAT IF YOU DECIDE TO GO ONE FOOT HIGHER, YOU got TO MAKE THE WHOLE FENCE CONSISTENT. AND IN THE FRONT YARD, I WOULD ACTUALLY DROP THAT TO 50% OPENNESS, NOT 75%, BECAUSE, AGAIN, WHEN I LOOK AT THE CHARACTER OF um, FRONT YARD SPACES, THERE'S A LOT OF YARDS WITH NO FENCES, AND THEN ALL OF A SUDDEN YOU GET Nine to seventy-five percent opaque. I, I think it's too big of a shift um, when you when you think of it that way. So that'd be my recommendation on the front yard um, scenarios. Then I thought there was a good question brought up for which I'm not sure if it's clearly addressed here for corner lots uh, and. I think we do need to look at this as a street side facing um, situation, but I do think we do need to think about what's primary and what's a secondary street or an alley um, and which direction a house faces. But I'm not sure, you know, how we talked a lot about side yard situations and the transition and the step back. Um, I think the delineation on a on a corner lot is is a little bit more um, challenging because, like this example that's on the screen, I don't really know where this house stops being being that facade that's facing the street <laughs> become a rear be, become a backyard. It, it's it's kind of arbitrary. Um, I know it's shift in the massing that's happening and that's what's delineating. But you could do the same thing on the other side. Quite honestly, the way the house steps so. Um, unless there's provisions of, if we could tie it to setbacks, so if you have a setback from this street that's X amount, then that's what you have to deal with as a front yard, and if you have a setback that's tighter on another side, then, then we can look at that as a side yard type of condition, um, because those are the, that, I think those are those setbacks, but. I GUESS I'M JUST ASKING FOR A LITTLE BIT MORE INVESTIGATION DONE ON CORNER LOTS AND HOW SETBACKS OCCUR TO DETERMINE HOW ONE CAN FIGURE OUT WHERE THAT DELINEATION IS TO to CREATE THAT BREAK.
0: BOARD MEMBER, ARE YOU SUGGESTING THAT LIKE FOR THESE um, SIDE STREET YARDS THAT MIGHT ENCLOSE LIKE SAY A SIDE YARD OR BACKYARD AREA THAT MAYBE THE HEIGHT IS RELATED TO the setback from the sidewalks, or maybe is a lesser, more restricted height? I I I think we need
5: to think about that, yeah, Yeah. yeah. because it's different when you have two buildings or two homes adjacent to each other, and then you've got that delineation line, the the property line, that's Mm -hmm. right there. But when you're facing a public street, I think we need to think about, like, what's that compression look like? Like, it feels very compressed here, Mm -hmm. this tall fence up against a um, facade that's close to it versus when you're in the side yard type of situation between two homes or two buildings, um, that compression, which exists as well, don't get me wrong, but you don't see it from the street as you see it this way, you see it on edge. Mm -hmm. And so your experience of it is very different. Now the experience of the resident from inside is challenged in both ways, don't get me wrong. But I think um, cohesiveness as you turn the corner and, and if we can measure, if, if it could be tied to setback, like height of fence tied to distance yeah. from house, like if someone decides, I want to push my house further back, you know, past the setback requirement, then maybe that would allow them to go a little taller. But the closer they make it to where that is, maybe they need to go a little shorter. So sorry I'm introducing a little complexity into it but I again if you could if we could do a little research on this it would be helpful to see how complex or how you know straightforward
2: the 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 solution may be yeah I I hear what you're saying I think some case studies that are more precise would be helpful right Um, Mm -hmm.
5: because I've also seen there's a sorry to interrupt but the um like right around the corner on san jose and park there was a new fence put up on um actually it's on park avenue so between there's a house on between park avenue and park street corner of park avenue and san jose and it has um it's it's corner site but the fence is consistent running around it and that feels pretty good um so let's look at some and that's, that's a newer installation of a um, street facing fence that I think I've seen.
8: How tall is it?
5: I'm sorry? How, how tall? I, if I were to guess, I think it's probably three feet tall. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it runs <laughs> consistently yeah, all yeah. the way. Um, yeah. yeah. But, anyways, there, there's variance in, and I think, look, we're talking about our city, so. We could look specifically at a few examples right mm-hmm. within the city. Yeah,
10: yeah.
0: And any other board members comments? I have some comments, but I want to and give the opportunity. Okay, board member Wang.
1: Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something. I think that was maybe a little bit contrary to the spirit of of my prior comment. But but first, um, very much appreciate board member Sahiba's comments. I think they're very cogent. Um, I do think, considering kind of the the public experience and public perception um, and visibility um, relative defenses, is super important. Um, I do support um, the com- the public commenters' comment about backyards in particular. I do think that is kind of an exceptional circumstance where. By and large, most people are conditioned to understanding and seeing six-foot fences for backyards, and I think that that having lower than that would create a level of discomfort for the people who live there. And so, I actually I think this example on on the screen right right here is a, a pretty nice example. It, it does you know the the six-foot fences, it is tall, it is opaque. Um, but there's, there's kind of a, a nicely thought through transition from what is essentially kind of quasi-public realm to what you would consider, okay, this is my private space. This is where my kids are playing. I don't actually want passersby to be looking at our furniture selection. Um, so I, I would encourage, I think, going back to a six-foot there, or a compromised position might be a five-foot with the, with the one-foot add-on that's see-through.
8: Other board comments? I just have a clarifying question, but in the document, it, it says that in rear yards the fence is allowed to be six feet, Mm -hmm. but then it says street side yard fences shall not exceed four feet, but was there any clarification on rear yards that are also street side yards or street yards, or is that something that needs to be added?
2: I think we determined that it would be helpful to clarify that so that we're, we're clear where the backyard starts mm-hmm. and where the side yard starts. I was thinking it was the property line. So it's the whole side. Th- that was my initial line. question before, yeah. but I, it yeah. seems but
8: that it's just kind of um, not clear
2: mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. OK. I, I did want to just clarify one more thing, just so we're talking about the same thing. So a picket fence like this, with this spacing, is 50% wood and 50% air, plus then you've got the crossbars and the posts. And then you had the other one. This, I did the math. This is actually 75% wood, 25% air, Mm -hmm. because you've got the overlapping, Mm -hmm. and you've got pieces coming and going and overlapping. And so that's why I changed the number, actually, to 75, is because everybody thinks of this when they think of open. But it's actually only 25% open. And that's part of the problem, maybe, is when it's this much and the proportions are weird, um, it doesn't do much for you. Um, So I just wanted to make that clarification. That's why I changed the number. It used to be 50%, Mm -hmm. and I made it 75, just because (coughs) this is what people think of. But if it was all the way to the ground like this, it might be more coherent. It would also still be a little weird, um, because it's too big for that Mm -hmm. kind of material. Yeah. um so those are the kinds of things yeah. you know versus versus pickets which are you know they they make sense mm-hmm. well and th-
5: this this example is taller than three or four feet so that's right. it's right this it, would never it, work right right and I, my um commentary was specific to yeah. the proportions yeah. of yeah. that yeah
4: uh, sorry. Yeah, no, go yeah, ahead. Um, yeah. And my comment was, um, really related to the exhibit and the preservation society document with, um, the material, um, the pexiglass. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, uh, I guess I, um, don't feel too strongly whether it's 25 or 50%, but, um, uh, I do think, yeah, the having that some level of transparency is important. Like the higher the height is generally, and also, um, uh, I don't love like this material, so that's that's what I meant mm-hmm. in my comment.
10: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. board member Ruiz.
7: Can we go back to the picket fence image, please? So let's say these were two by fours boards, and the wood are three and a half inches, and the gap between each are three and a half inches. So that's fifty percent. Now we. Consider the horizontal bracing so it automatically does not meet the 50% open.
10: Mm-hmm.
7: This is just my question. And I think, I mean, this is ground floor, but you, you don't want a child's head to be caught in there, so it needs to be less than four inches for the circle. Then, so what I'm saying is be careful what we ask, mm-hmm. because if we say 50% openness, we will never meet it in real life because that is less than 50% open.
3: If I could just add to that, I mean, especially for front yard fences, as someone who works the counter, this is not subject to a building permit, right? So we're not reviewing plan checks. We're not looking at calculations. We don't want the, the sort of somebody who's coming to the counter and just kind of smell testing or code enforcement officer out there in the field doing precise calculations. So it's, it's an art when it comes to that, that see-through question more than, more than a science sometimes.
0: Okay. Well, this, this was a good discussion. I really appreciate all the board members. I basically agree with what the board members are saying. First of all, um, you know, the character versus some communities, Alameda has a lot of good architectural character, and you kind of at least most of the neighborhoods. So you want the how, homes to kind of really define the neighborhood not the fences. And once the, if the fences get too tall and they start really interrupting the visual appearance and the cohesiveness or openness of the neighborhood, to me, it kind of detracts from the neighborhood. And some, you, you can go to other communities where very commonly, I won't name them, they have six foot fences right, right, right next to the sidewalk continuously. Uh, I don't think Alameda is, has that type of character. So having the fences as unintrusive as possible makes a lot of sense to me. I do understand um, the design review process. I think it's important to allow for those exceptions, and I think it seems like some criteria might need to be developed, but uh, but I'm in favor of um, what the board member Sahiba says is maximum four-foot-high fences uh, um, or maximum three-foot-high solid fences. If you want to go to four feet, THEY SHOULD BE um, TRANSPARENT. AS FAR AS WHAT THE PERCENTAGE OF TRANSPARENCY IS, I AGREE WITH BOARD MEMBER uh, RUIZ THAT MAYBE 50% MIGHT CREATE a SAFETY ISSUES FOR TODDLERS. SO I'M NOT SURE WHAT THE RIGHT PERCENTAGE IS. BUT IF WE REQUIRE THAT, IF YOU WANT TO GO UP TO FOUR FEET, IT NEEDS TO BE A CERTAIN PERCENTAGE uh, TRANSPARENT, THEN I DON'T HAVE LESS CONCERN WITH THAT 70%. Um, Let's see, so yeah, four foot would be the maximum and then design review for hire. For those side yard fences, I totally understand where a council, I'm not a council member, maybe later. (laughs) (laughs) But board member member Sahiba comment, because I've seen these side yard fences in other communities where you have the six foot fence along the street side yard right next to the sidewalk, and then the next house is a front yard and you see a three foot fence, it just gets very intrusive. there, you might take a look at other communities, but other communities, um, and maybe they're larger lots, so it's not as restrictive. Sometimes they do have requirement that if you want to have your site, street yard fence within X number of square feet of property line or right on the property line is a lower limit versus if you set it back a couple of feet or something. Now, I understand that some homes, you know, their site yard, they don't have that leeway, and that's where maybe a design review process could come in because I remember one situation where someone really wanted to do have a dog run on the side, and there wouldn't be adequate dog run if uh, if you push the fence in. So maybe setting considering some standards towards a setback, but allow for the design review process to uh, approve those exceptions is kind of what my suggestion would be. I also uh, agree with um, the, the historical preservation society regarding defining it as transparent and not 75% uh, solid, so you don't get into the opaque versus uh, solid. Uh, you you know, just switch it to whether it's 25 or some larger percentage. So those, those are my comments on the fences. Um, before we kind of have a motion, I mean, that seems to be the consensus I'm hearing from the board members. Um, before we kind of have a motion, TO KIND OF CONCLUDE THIS ITEM. ANY COMMENTS ON OTHER SECTIONS OF THE PROPOSED zoning AMENDMENTS, THE NON-CONFORMING SECTION BEYOND THE COMMENTS THAT WE'VE ALREADY SHARED WITH STAFF? OKAY. IF NOT, um, I'D LIKE TO ENTERTAIN A MOTION. SO I'll LIKE THERE'S A MOTION TO BRING THIS ITEM BACK WITH THE SUGGESTED INPUT FROM PLANNING BOARD MEMBERS. BUT I'LL ENTERTAIN A MOTION. For the, something that, or something different, or do, sure, we, or make, do oh, we need a motion? I guess no, I should say. I,
2: can, I, I guess um, no. I guess I'll, I'll just take this under advisement, and we'll 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 renotice it and bring it back when it's ready.
0: Okay. So this item is basically just continue. no action. Okay. No action required.
2: Discussion held.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Okay. Great. I think that was a really good discussion on fences because you know, is I think it is a really important uh, defining character for the community. Um, Okay, we'll move on to staff communications. So, item six A, and this is opportunity to report out on any any planning, building, and transportation department recent actions and decisions.
2: Yeah, it's been a little quiet. The zoning administrator um, and other minor projects have uh, been quiet, but uh, we are publishing several design reviews this week. Um, What is it, six or seven? Um, So things are picking up again. And um, yeah, so we uh, had a retirement at the end of the year. Uh, Deirdre McCartney retired um, after seven or eight years with the city, and so we're kind of filling in Uh, THE DESIGN REVIEW STAFF um, AMONG US, AND THEN uh, WE'RE HIRING SOMEONE WHO'S COMING ON NEXT WEEK.
3: OKAY.
0: WONDERFUL. OKAY. AND um, 6B, uh, REPORT ON FUTURE MEETINGS, UPCOMING MEETINGS.
2: YEAH, WE'LL BE BRINGING YOU THE ANNUAL REPORTS uh, FOR THE GENERAL PLAN AND HOUSING ELEMENT, AND um, WE ALSO HAVE THE um, TRANSPORTATION AND uh, ENVIRONMENTAL Plans like the uh, adaptation plan and things like that that um, you'll get to take a look at.
0: Okay. Okay. Oh, um,
2: and um, that's right. We have a. We also have a hearing item for next okay. time.
0: That continued item. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to report out? No. Okay. Then uh, board communications. Any um, board members have items? Yeah, board member reads.
7: Hi, um, it was brought to my attention by a community member that our um, historic research resource um, database might be outdated. I think they're working off um, 1970s database. So, I, I, again, I haven't looked into this. I just want to bring to your attention, can you evaluate, see if it's time to update that? Um, I think the historic building inventories or something, there's a database for that.
2: If uh, If I understand the comment accurately um there was the citywide survey back in the 70s so it is 50 years old um (coughs) that that is the state of the art as far as our historic survey and we haven't been budgeted or directed to uh do any further work on that um so the database is available and you know the the survey of that time and it's um and and the historic monuments are available so i'm not sure if
7: is there any so we don't have a budget is not in the foreseeable future to update that survey because you know sometimes the building i remember working on a project like got the arbor's report and said preserve this tree and i go out and the tree's not there so i think it would be good to update the survey if Mm -hmm. if there's um can you please review see if my understanding there's state grants that would allow us to do that as well
2: so sure, we can look into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do keep track of those projects because they're required to get permits of right. some kind. So, mostly we do know where those buildings are but, um, the, and what state they're in. And, and you actually reviewed one recently where um, it's being demolished and replaced by the two-story commercial with residential. So, you know, those, those things, I guess you might say it's out of date because it's still probably on a list somewhere but um, we also have records of what has happened in the meantime.
7: Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I just want to kind of give the community feedback mm-hmm. and see if there's ways that we can make it more accurate. And, because sometimes the building has been either legally or illegally remodeled to a point where the historic value is no longer there. Mm. And
2: okay, thank you.
0: Okay. If there's no other board communications, then uh, there's another opportunity for non-agenda public comments. Uh, staff, is there any speakers still hanging on?
3: No hands raised.
0: Okay. So we're at adjournment. So meeting is adjourned at nine 947. Oh, no, no, 847. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so hey, otherwise, you want to really miss your
10: irritating. flight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, everyone.